Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. This is the work of the governor. And the person who we should all be concerned about is the governor. Elections have consequences. And when the governor was elected the first time by a narrow margin because of things that were really not significant, I don't think anyone who voted for him then could have foreseen the attack on democracy that would have followed from his reign. He was running against a guy who ended up being caught naked on crack in a motel. I mean, is that is that what this woman's talking about? Monique Worrell? Is this what she's saying? These were the little kind of insignificant things? Florida almost elected a crack addict. Honestly, four seconds away from electing Hunter Biden. No? Too soon? Don't think so. This is a take. But we are seeing it now, and my conversation to all of you in the 2024 elections and then the gubernatorial election that will follow that. What are you going to do to protect democracy? What are you going to do? I also want to point out that law enforcement has played a big role in giving the governor the information that he is tasked for to support a suspension. This is Monique Worrell. The state attorney for Florida's Ninth Judicial Circuit. And Ron DeSantis has suspended her. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. DeSantis says uh, that she has been clearly and fundamentally derelict. She has not done her job. Now, we have seen this in a lot of district attorneys, a lot of uh, people in, in these kinds of positions where they don't do their job and we suffer. Monique Worrell's administration of criminal justice in the Ninth Circuit has been clearly and fundamentally derelict so as to constitute both neglect of duty and incompetence. The policies or practices listed in our executive order uh, suspending her uh, that constitutes the grounds of suspension are as follows. Uh, One, a pattern or practice to avoid minimum mandatory sentences for gun crimes. Pattern or practice to avoid minimum mandatory sentences for drug trafficking offenses. Pattern or practice allowing juvenile offenders to avoid serious charges and incarceration altogether. Pattern or practice to avoid valid and applicable sentencing enhancements. Pattern or practice limiting charges for child pornography. Pattern or practice for seeking withholding of adjudication in situations not permitted under Florida law. That's a long list to say she doesn't do her job and criminals go free and this is an issue. And it is an issue. I take you to Portland. Portland, Oregon. Antifa militants have been found not liable in attacking Andy No. You might remember the story. He spells his last name N-G-O, pronounced No. Andy No was viciously attacked while doing his job as a journalist, 
watching all of the violence that takes place in Portland, as it took place in Seattle and other places, of course Antifa is a real organization, and Antifa is violence. Anyone associated with Antifa is violent de facto. It's the only way these people can be. And they should be met with absolute force. They'll crack. I mean, right there on the sidewalk, they'll crack. The defendants, John Colin Hacker and Elizabeth Renee Richer, were not liable in the civil case that was brought against them. So this is the civil case that is different uh, than, than, than criminal. You, people like Andy know with the, you know, uh, they got the concrete milkshakes thrown at them. Lord only knows what was in those kinds of concoctions that were poured over their heads or, or thrown in their faces. I've been asked this question before. Do you ever think that's going to happen to you? And my answer is probably. I got to assume, right? I'm bigger than some radio hosts in terms of name ID, not as big as other radio hosts in terms of name ID. Other people are going to have problems before I do. But do I expect it? I expect out there there are people who believe that they have a right to stop the injustice of someone like you or someone like myself speaking, sharing ideas and thoughts, engaging openly in these conversations, and they will feel compelled to do something about it for democracy. It's always about democracy. They they know what democracy is. They know how to keep democracy safe. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't see it that way. I don't see it that way. And I think it's interesting that this, uh, that this attorney, her name again, Monique Worrell, the state attorney for Florida's ninth judicial circuit. She took it upon herself to really go after law enforcement for being complicit in getting information to governor DeSantis a serial terrorist on the Paramore community. And he went to jail under my administration and the Florida Order of Police was pissed about it. They came to court to support him. There is another officer whose case will undoubtedly be dropped now, Bruce Stoke, because he shot an unarmed man. I promised police accountability, and on that I delivered. And that is the reason that law enforcement galvanized behind the governor's undemocratic attack and um, removal of me from office. So all the cops are no good. Well, this is working great. No, no, no. I, 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 you can see now how well uh, things are going and why we're having such wonderful coordination between police and prosecutors. They're clearly on the same side or something. Is this nothing more than politics from Ron DeSantis because he's running for president and this is the way you get people excited about you? He's a law and order guy. The answer is maybe. Maybe, but I think what we need to know is what do we know about Monique Worrell? What is it that we're going to discover? Now, I've seen a bunch of things that immediately came out. If it's all right with you, I'm going to wait. I'm going to give it a day to understand 
Monique Worrell, the cases that she has worked on, what is it that she has not prosecuted, so we can come to some kind of educated understanding of whether or not she's someone who should be in office. To say that there's no politics in it is kind of um, it's kind of nutty. Of course, there's politics in it. There's politics in everything. It's politics. It's politics in whom Worrell is prosecuting or not prosecuting. It's politics in her full-on attack of, of police officers. Of course it is. But I must admit that when you make statements like this. It's also important to note Today is the day before school. My children have to deal with this news the day before school starts. That is evil. It is evil. There is no justice in what's being done. And even for the people who are celebrating the fact that I'm removed, if there is any humanity in you at all, you should know that this is bigger than just me. There is a family who is being harmed today because of political attacks. What about the families who get no justice because of radical ideology that says we don't prosecute these types of criminals and killers go free and abusers go free and this one goes free with all due respect, Monique Worrell, uh, that dog won't hunt. And you sound like a silly person. You and your kids are going to have to deal because that's exactly what you said to families and leftist prosecutors have said to families. I should say leftist prosecutors have said to families. We have to do the research to find out whether or not Monique Worrell has said this to families. I think it's evil when somebody commits a heinous crime and a prosecutor's like, well, we should really give them a break. Pretty evil. Pretty awful. Pretty evil. Pretty disgusting. Pretty despicable. All of this, though, is, of course, going to connect itself to the presidential race. I don't think there's any question that it's going to. This is going on as Ron DeSantis has now brought in a new campaign manager. I guess this is the final part of the reset of his staff because the staff needed a reset. Desperately needed the reset. It's been a bad campaign. Don't tell me about Trump anything. DeSantis has had a bad campaign. And now he's trying to reset. The reset comes as Donald Trump deals with this third indictment, and there may be a fourth one when we talk about Georgia. If DeSantis cannot now capitalize with the the new uh, campaign manager and the new this and the new, well, then I don't know where he has a shot. The, the, the last poll in New Hampshire, by the way, has DeSantis down at 11 points and Trump up at 41 points. But this was all before the indictment. I think it's imperative that if we're going to follow these things, we pay attention to things that happened after the indictment. 
You can show me everything before and it doesn't matter. Indictment creates a new day. Indictment creates a new situation. Whether or not it's affecting the electorate and whether or not they're going to look elsewhere. The answer as we've come to it, as we've looked at it, no, it doesn't look like they're going anywhere else. It doesn't look like they're going anywhere except for Trump. There's been nothing that shows movement. Will that be the case going forward? I cannot answer. All I know is if you're DeSantis, a move like this in Florida will certainly be seen as helpful in showing people that you're a law and order guy and you're ready to do the hard work, which is very much what you want to show people. You want to show people that, look, I delivered nothing but results. Nothing but results. Right? That's, that's, that's what you've got. You've got this long list, this long litany. You're reminding people of them. Smart moves. But you also got to have the case. And so what you need are people to, who will be able to say, yeah, Monique Worrell, this, this attorney, the state attorney, wasn't doing her job. You got to be able to really show it. Because if there's really a question, it's going to look like you engaged suspending somebody for your, for your political desires, and that's going to not bode well. When you are in the game, everything is a potential trade-off. Everything has potentially great opportunity or great destruction. None of this would be necessary if DeSantis had run a better campaign in the beginning at least this conversation. He may still have suspended uh, this this uh, attorney, but it wouldn't have this level of consequence on the board. It does. They've got to know it, which would make me think that they really have the goods and they really know the problem. We will get the information about this attorney, what it was she wasn't prosecuting or how she prosecuted, and we'll decide for ourselves whether Ron DeSantis is in the right. I'm Tony Katz. Grand Canyon, one of the Earth's nine wonders, wonders of the world, literally. Think of that. You know, it's amazing. The Grand Canyon, one of the nine wonders of the world. Oh, Joe Biden, don't ever change. No way, no way, change. Please, God, change. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Uh, Two things here uh, to note. Uh, First, uh, the Grand Canyon is not one of the wonders of the world. The wonders of the world are man-made. Great Wall of China, Taj Mahal, um, Christ the Redeemer. Those are the wonders of the world. Uh, Secondly, there are seven of them, not nine. 
There are seven, uh, but for but for Joe Biden, uh, there are nine. Uh, there's the seven, and then there's uh, mint chip ice cream, and then menudo. I'm going to take heat because I'm not using um, <laughs> I'm not using it in Spanish. I'm ah, oh, you know I am. You know it. I know it. Oh, I'm going to get just abused for not using some Spanish song, Spanish-speaking song. It's it's Menudo after all. It's a young Ricky Martin wearing his finest finest gear from Kmart in those pastels. By the way, that sound is 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 the sound of of the 80s. I, I think there are very few generations. Maybe, maybe we can go through it. There is a sound of a generation. That's the 80s. That is, that is it right there in, in, in just pure clarity. <laughs> As for Joe Biden, uh, you couldn't get away with this many gaffes if you tried. You have to be purposeful in not paying attention to it. You have to want to not see it. You're, the, 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 the desperation, the desperation in not noticing that this man has a problem. It must be noticed. It must be stated. I mean, there's so much going on. Finally, finally, no one can any longer deny that we don't have a problem with climate change. We don't have a problem with climate change. You saw people lose their minds in the month of July because it was hot for a week. And we put up the red maps of death. Look how hot it is. It wasn't really any hotter. It was weather, not climate. There's a difference, you know. Oh, not to ideologues who are desperate for control and power. No, no, no. But for, you know, rational people, normal people, there is a difference for people who are honest and clear. There is a difference. Now, this all came as Joe Biden was uh, dedicating... A monument, and he's setting aside 900,000 plus acres to do so. You're talking about north and south of, of uh, the Grand Canyon. He's going to do this. Now, in a, a general thought, I don't mind a monument. I don't mind if there's a monument uh, regarding Native Americans. It's completely and totally fine to me. I do, however, have a question about the land. There's a lot of Western land that is taken up by the government, and it's preventing the states from being able to use the land. I'm not okay with that. 
seems like a usurpation of states' rights. Monuments, I can be fine with. Bud Light is laying off everybody, and now Public Square is trying to get those people jobs. My conversation with CEO Michael Seifert coming up. I'm Tony Katz. God was blessed by the gods of me and you. We anywhere's for to find ourselves some truth. The people at Bud Light know that they have 100% screwed the pooch. The people at Bud Light know that they've got a problem that isn't going away anytime soon. And the problem that they've created on that executive level by partnering with Dylan Mulvaney. Allowing politics to come into the place of a beer brand that is based on not giving a dang about politics. Well, this has had effects not only on those executives, but people really caught in the crossfire, caught in the middle, who did nothing wrong, but they work for Bud Light. And now they're having a problem finding their future because their futures are in question. Their jobs are in question. Now you have the people at Public Square. They are coming into this and they are saying, hey, we will help these people who were working at Bud Light find jobs if they're losing their jobs. Michael Seifert joins us right now. He is the CEO of Public Square, publicsq.com. Of course, when they went public, that was a very, very big deal. This marketplace that helps products and brands that you could say are on the political right. And and this is a little bit different. You're not talking about, hey, come join the platform. You're discussing, hey, you're somebody who for no fault out of your of your own is, is out of work and uh, and we're going to help you get a job. What brought this about and how are you going to help? Well, we are happy to help largely because uh, these folks were caught in the crossfire, something that they had no control over. The CEO of Bud Light has screwed the pooch, as you uh, properly uh, stated. This guy is facing no repercussions. Brandon Whitworth, he's not having to take a downgrade of his salary. He's not getting terminated, even though he has abdicated responsibility completely and uh, has refused to apologize no matter how many times he's been pushed on it for completely misjudging his consumer base. Now, 350 employees had to be terminated from Bud Light. And we wanted to say, hey, if you're one of those employees that have faced the brunt of a decision you didn't get to make that has negatively affected your brand, then we'd love to help. We're actually going to connect you with the nation's largest marketplace network of patriotic small businesses that focus on excellence and meritocracy. They don't masquerade as progressive political organizations. And in turn, let's see if we can get you a job. So we were driven to help because we're so frustrated at watching this happen over and over and over again. These multinational corporations continue to sell out Americans. And it's really unfortunate when uh, that hits literally the employees that had no decision over the matter. Now, if you've never seen a public square and, and full disclosure, I have no business relationship with, with public square. I, I am a fan and, and eventually I may put businesses on the marketplace. I don't as of today. And I like to always make sure we're all, uh, you know, clear about where I'm at. Uh, this is public, uh, square right here. And it's where you go and you can see how businesses are, 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 are listed and put up there. And what you're saying is you're going to be able to utilize the marketplace itself to help these people get jobs. What's the plan? 
Well, it's actually already working. That's exactly right. We basically gathered resumes. We, I, I wrote an open letter to back up even further uh, to those 350 employees that were terminated, and I posted it on Twitter, or now X. And that letter, with no paid promotion or anything, it, it actually went viral. It had over 3 million views just within the first 72 hours. And uh, my message was simple. If you're one of these folks that have been laid off, please reach out to us because we would love to pass on your resume to a freedom-loving employer that uh, would love to take a look. And so many of the businesses within our network are hiring at the moment. So we put out this open letter, hoped that it would gain traction. And thankfully, we had more than a few of the actual terminated employees from Bud Light reach out, share their resumes with us. And we've passed those on. In fact, we've heard that a few of the folks that gave their resumes are actually in the in like the second or third stage of interview processes uh, only a week and a half later with some of these companies. So uh, we're really seeing this transfer in society of folks on the consumer side, the employee side, the investor side that are saying, I'm done with woke corporations. This stuff has become so insane. I am ready to embrace the core principles of the American economy again with an employer or a company or an investment arm that will match my values, a love for country constitution and the values that it protects. And uh, that's exactly what we're trying to do here is conduct this transfer. And uh, it's working. $27 billion drop in market cap from Anheuser-Busch. And meanwhile, the patriotic parallel economy is continuing to prosper. And not just the, the, the drop in, in that. They sold off 10 brands, including Shock Top and a host of others. They, they are trying to figure out how to keep their capital uh, kind of uh, opportune. Talking to Michael Seifert, he is the CEO of Public Square, publicsq.com. Uh, we see what the job market is. We certainly see layoffs from big tech companies while we see also big tech companies being the reason why the S&P and the Dow is doing so well. Five companies account uh, for near 60% of the growth uh, of the S&P. You're talking about the fact that in a week and a half, we'll call it 10 days for those of us playing the home game, Michael, that we have seen now multiple interviews with Bud Light employees. What is it about these companies, and can you name any of the companies that are engaged in actively uh, doing these interviews? What is it about them that goes against what we're seeing in other parts of the economy that where does their either desperation come from looking for employees or willingness to be able to write the check, the ability to write the check in this economy right now? Well, they're growing. And they love America. Those are two really important pieces. The reason these businesses are able to hire right now, and we at Public Square are even hiring, uh, is because we ultimately are seeing uh, the ability to grow with this parallel patriotic economy that is emerging day in and day out. It's one of the fastest growing economies in the world. In fact, if you just look at election data from 2020 and you take the people that voted conservative in 2020 and you put some GDP numbers around that, the best estimates show that that accounts for about $7 trillion dollars in GDP. $7 trillion in GDP is the third largest economy in the world. It's bigger than India and Japan, and no major companies are speaking to this cohort. So if you're a business today that's willing to unashamedly say, we love America, we love the Constitution, and we're going to market toward that audience that feels that same way, 100 plus million American adult consumers, you're going to see growth and success. And that's exactly what we've seen on our platform. So that's certainly a differentiator as to why these businesses are growing right now. And I'll obviously respect the privacy of these specific businesses that are in the hiring process. But what I will say is that they come from a wide variety of industries. You know, this is not just faceted to one sector of the economy. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're really seeing growth in this patriotic economy across multiple industry sectors, which I think is a 
sign of their resilience. You used the term uh, patriotic economy a, a couple times. I'm not saying it isn't a good term. I want to kind of define it, delineate it, because there will be people who will say, well, look, I don't agree with Republicans on X, Y, or Z, but I consider myself a, a, a patriot. What to you and to Public Square uh, delineates the patriotic economy, and what does it mean to market to the political right? Well, I think it uh, has to start with principles rather than political values. So uh, I think it it goes a lot deeper than just which political party you're affiliated with. Now, I do tend to think that the folks that are on the conservative side of the aisle generally these days have a greater love for country. They're not the ones kneeling for the anthem. They're not the ones that are protesting uh, American uh, statues and, and advocating for their removal of people like Abraham Lincoln. These are not the people on the American right. So we kind of have to all agree to on a, a base principle that there's a group of folks in the United States today that are more conservative, more family value oriented, and they're not the ones that are trying to change the national anthem. These are the people that happen to have the most pride in waving the American flag, and they focus a lot more on July 4th than they do on Pride Month. And I think that that's an important differentiator, because when you see Bud Light do what it did, you're watching a company that historically has marketed to that pro-America, classic Americana audience that loved the Clydesdales and the American flags and the funny commercials. You're seeing them depart from that audience, actually call them fratty and outdated, to be specific, and then pivot toward this gender ideology nonsense that's more often associated with the American left. And so uh, I think when we talk about patriotic businesses, we talk about businesses that want to go back to the basics, a love for country, a constitution, and the values that are embodied in that sacred document. And on top of that, these are businesses also that have not adopted or been co-opted by a DEI or ESG agenda. They focus on providing maximum value with excellence and meritocracy to their shareholders and their customers. That, to me, is classic American exceptionalism exercised in commerce. Can you uh, give me an idea of how many people from Bud Light have reached out and have others reached out to say, wait a second, I don't work for Bud Light, but I could use a job. Here's my resume. Yeah, that's happened a ton. It's interesting. When we put out the open letter, we got you know just over a dozen resumes from the actual Bud Light people themselves. But we got uh, scores more from people that are just wanting an, a job, and they're very curious about how they can actually get hired. Uh, and we've partnered with a great job board, actually, that we're in business with called Red Balloon. And so we're literally teaming up together to just connect all of these other prospective employees that have really nothing to do with Bud Light, but they're still looking for jobs in the freedom economy. We are actually helping them uh, find relationships with new employers that will respect their values and aren't going to put them through uh, a diversity training every other Tuesday and make them go through struggle sessions about how uh, uh, how detrimental the American economy is. You know, people want to go back to the basics of capitalism, and that's certainly true for employees. I'll tell you this too, Tony. We have hired at Public Square employees from Target, Amazon, Yelp, these other big tech and commerce behemoths that are saying, guys, all we do now at those other corporate entities is talk about mental health days and uh, feeling sorry for our skin color. Like, I'm done with it. I'm ready to innovate. I want to run. I want to feel like I'm actually doing something of purpose. Like, right. I have all these gifts. Let me run with them. And they're finding a home to do that in this new economy. Uh, talk to me about uh, where Public Square is right now. Public Square, publicsq.com. Uh, you guys went public uh, a couple months uh, ago. Big day there uh, on Wall Street. How has everything gone uh, since then? How are we feeling about price? And talk about innovation. What's next for Public Square? 
Well, we could not be happier. Actually, we just had our earnings call today, our first ever earnings call as a public company. And we were thrilled to announce that our user growth has been tremendous. Our business growth has been tremendous. Our revenue growth, first half of 2023 revenue, is up over 1,100% from first half of 2022. And uh, our consumer members now eclipse 1.43 million on the platform that have actual membership accounts on the platform, over 65,000 business vendors, well over 95% of which are small businesses. So yeah, we couldn't be happier with the growth of this patriotic economy found embodied at Public Square. Where we're going next though, is incredibly exciting. This fall, just in time for the Christmas shopping season, we're actually launching e-commerce. So we are actually bringing all the transactions on the platform in-house, one shopping cart, multiple vendors, seamless checkout experience. This moves us from that sort of Yelp competitor to a true Amazon competitor. And that's something that we can't wait for, especially when folks are more than ever wanting to shop their values in a digital environment. But you're not doing shipping from a singular warehouse. People are still doing their individual shipping. They're still doing their individual shipping. Yeah, there's differing opinions on that. You know, Shopify just got rid of their fulfillment arm. They found that it wasn't very lucrative. They found that we can trust these businesses to handle fulfillment. Amazon has gone the other way. So, you know, people have differing thoughts in it. Those are decisions we'll make as we move forward into the future. Yes, we're starting with having great relationships with the vendors on our platform that have fulfillment standards that they have to abide by. But ultimately, that's on them. Uh, Michael Seifert is his name. Uh, PublicSquare.com uh, uh, is where you can find him, PublicSQ.com. And if you're a Bud Light uh, employee who's been squozing out because of uh, the horrors that their marketing department uh, put together, uh, you can reach out to PublicSQ.com and uh, they'll help you get uh, a gig. Uh, Michael Seifert, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us. I'm Tony Katz. And the Biden administration loses again when it comes to paying off student debt. Turns out if you took the debt, you've got to pay it back or you face the consequences in on every turn, everywhere you go. Every single time debt relief is brought in front of a court, Biden loses. I don't know how many more times the political left is going to accept being lied to. This isn't happening. It's like trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Cut it out already. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. The three-judge panel said, nope, it was the uh, U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit blocking the rules implemented by the Department of Education that aim to make it easier for defrauded borrowers to get access to student debt relief. Oh, well, wait a second. That could be different. Defrauded borrowers? What's a defrauded borrower? There's something called Career Colleges and Schools of Texas. It's a for-profit group representing trade schools and for-profit colleges in Texas. The group sued the Department of Education uh, after they released rules that made it easier for students defrauded by their schools to get debt relief. Well, now, wait a second. That's not the same thing, now, is it? Fraud is when someone takes a loan and then doesn't pay it back. Fraud is when someone takes a loan and the government says, yes, we know person A got the loan, but person B has to pay for it. That's that's fraud. But if if a student takes out a loan to go to school X 
And School X doesn't not only not provide the education, but they're not even open if they shut down. Well, Student X might have an argument that how do you expect me to pay this back when they stole the money? Sue them. Or is it really a conversation of caveat emptor? Buyer beware. And what we are all experiencing is something emotional. I'm I'm asking a question that's going to require a bar stool and some bourbons. We all understand that people who got a student loan and then decided they don't want to pay back the student loan, and why doesn't the government pay it back, which means we, the taxpayer, pay it back, that's fraud. We're all on the same page there. But if I get a loan to go to such and such trade school, and the trade school goes belly up, was I, did they commit a fraud? Did they know they were going to go belly up? And so why should I have to pay it back? And the answer is... If I buy a diamond and it turns out to be a cubic zirconia, isn't that on me for not investigating? If I buy a pair of Jordans and it turns out uh, that they're, they're, they're replicas, same thing with a Panerai or, or, or name it. Isn't that on me? Again, caveat emptor. Huh. Well, now we've got ourselves a curious conversation. And I guess it starts with a baseline. Is there a situation by which the buyer in a student loan scenario deserves to get bailed out? Because in the first situation where they just commit fraud, of course not. You took the loan, you pay for it. But even in the second situation, did you investigate the school to see if they were legit, how the finances were, etc.? Hmm. Emotionally, you're like, oh, man, if the school screwed them, why are they paying? But that happens all the time. That's going to take some more conversation. This is Tony Katz today.